Good morning. We are grateful to be here, and uh, there have been uh, various adventures uh, throughout this week, but no, it was not on my radar to be uh, out in the woods at 8.30 last night as this uh, thunderstorm was rolling through South Hall County uh, chasing a white-faced calf uh, or cow. Uh, through uh, who had uh, gotten on the wrong side of the fence, uh, which some of us can relate that. We've been on the wrong side of the fence before. Uh, but uh, in that process, I did end up a little bit scratched. Someone said, uh, was that Tracy that got a hold of you? And that's just the story you made up. I said, oh my, if Tracy had got a hold of me, it'd been a whole lot worse than two scratches on my face. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, but uh, we are grateful to be here. It's a privilege to be able to share from God's Word with you. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, take and turn to Psalm 46 as we are going to be spending our time this morning there. Uh, this psalm is often referred to as Luther's psalm. Uh, the 46th psalm was, uh, was one of his favorite, uh, favorite psalms, and uh, it was a source of motivation and uh, also the backdrop for one of Luther's great hymns that he wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, who you hear Pastor Craig quote many times, uh, he tells a story of, uh, of Luther uh, and how he struggled with times of great discouragement, and depression during the dark and dangerous days of the Reformation. Uh, it, uh, and that when uh, many sought to uh, do him harm, and even to the point of killing him or attempting to. It was during those times that he would call out uh, to his close friend and co-worker, uh, Philip Melechlin, and he would say, Come, Philip, let us sing the 46th psalm and they would sing it well this morning i know you're not going to be surprised and i know you're not going to be disappointed we're not going to sing the 46th psalm uh, but we are going to read it and i hope that you have your bibles turned there and you will follow along as we read god's word god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble therefore we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. Just at the break of dawn, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Who has made desolations in the earth? He makes wars to, to the end. Uh, he makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Join me as we pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, we come before you acknowledging that you are the God over all things. That you are the God of our refuge. The one that we run to when we experience the storms, the troubles, and the difficulties of this life. Thank you for being a God of strength. Thank you for doing battle on our behalf. And Father, we come now asking that you would speak to us. Father, that we would hear from your Spirit. That we would be called into a deeper relationship with you and fellowship with you. And Father, even for some this morning, that they would be called into a relationship with you for the first time. As they hear the truth of your word proclaimed. Father, we are grateful for your word. Remove distractions that we could focus during this time on you and you alone. And Father, we pray your spirit would have free reign. In Christ's name, amen. I want to begin right now telling you the most important thing I'm going to say all this sermon. Not that you can check out, but I want to give you the most important thing. If you miss anything, do not miss this. But God, God and God alone is our refuge. He is our fortress. He's our panic room. The place we run to when times get hard. And my friend, Times will get hard. God and nothing else is a mighty fortress in this life. As the hymn says, a bulwark, a wall of defense. When troubles come, that fortress that cannot be defeated. It is true. Some, even some of us, at times, we'll trust in other things. We will trust in our resources, our possessions to protect us from the uncertainty of life. And frankly, there's a level of wisdom in being financially prepared. But like the rich man in Jesus' parable in Luke 12, who said to himself, self you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Sit back. Eat. Drink. And be merry. To which Jesus responded, Fool. Fool, your life will end tonight. And all those goods... We're of no benefit to him as he faced judgment. Our monies, our resources cannot always shield us from the heartbreak, 
the failure, the sin, the disease, or disasters in this world. God is our safe place. God is our mighty fortress. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember, we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Others attempt to find that security, whether it's in relationships, in our family relationships, in relationships with friends, even our business and political connections that would give us that security, that protection. Those are only temporary. And frankly, we all know the reality that they can suddenly be swept away. Only God is truly unshakable and trustworthy. Luther in his hymn, he says, Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, this body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. The reality is there will be those things that come and those things that go. But the reality that God is unshakable and trustworthy is a fact that we can rest on and that will carry us every day and all the days of our life. As we look at Psalm 46 which we read earlier. We're going to look and we're going to see that our first two points in uh, the first verse. Now, you got to understand that Pastor Craig and Miss Willine, they have this just symbiotic relationship. It's really a cool thing to watch. They work so well together and she knows what he's thinking before he thinks it. And it, it is, it's a really, a, a, it's a cool thing to watch. And, and I love Miss Willene. She loves me. Uh, but sometimes, you know, uh, I'm not thinking and I don't know what she's thinking. She doesn't know what I'm thinking because I don't know that anybody wants to know what I'm thinking. But uh, with your outline, you ended up and you've got a complete outline. You don't have to write anything down. There's not any blanks there for you. You're good there. So you can kind of sit back. I've done a little work for you there. So you're in good shape, but you can take a few notes if you would like, if there's anything noteworthy. But uh, in verse 1, it begins with this statement. God is. Anytime we see that statement in Scripture, it should cause us to be on high alert. Because when we see God is, oftentimes it is followed by an attribute of God, which describes God and who He is. It also is something that oftentimes allows us to be able to know that and be able to focus on that and be able to praise Him for that attribute, to worship Him because of that attribute. For example, we see in Scripture that God is love, God is truth, God is all-knowing, God is holy. And God is trustworthy and so much more. But in this first verse, we're told that God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. 
the refuge, the safe place of God's power. God's power is a place that we can run to and seek shelter and protection. It is, it, there is no better place to be than in the protection of God's strength and God's power. This is the first thing that you're going to see on your outline there is the refuge of God's power. But also, in that first verse, we also see point number two. That God is our refuge, a very present help in trouble. The refuge of God's presence. There is safety in the presence of God. We're going to take these two and we're going to look at them on parallel tracks as we go through this passage of Scripture. As we see that God, His strength, His power unfolding through this passage. But then also as we see the beauty, the assurance that God is with us. For you and I, there is little that can bring peace and assurance than when we remember and we call to our mind that God is very present with us. He is not distant. He is not distracted. But instead, He is right by His child's side. Luther said it this way in Psalm 46. Uh, in said it this way of Psalm 46. He said, We sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends His church and His words against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh and Sin. The result of God being omnipotent, all powerful, omnipresent, always with us is that we do not have to fear. Fear truly is, as one of my favorite songs says, fear truly is a liar. It tells us that our troubles will be our demise. Tells us that God is weak and distant and does not care for us. But please be reminded call back to mind that God is powerful, God is present, so we have the privilege of living life with no fear. Fear is the arch enemy of faith. Faith drives out our fear. The two cannot coexist at the same time. When our faith is small, our fear is great. When our fear is great, our faith is small. But I want you to listen. As we continue, I want you to listen to what the psalmist describes. The events that unfold in this passage. The trouble that comes that reminds us that even in the most dreadful and cataclysmic events, that God is with us and He is our strength. 
in verse 2, even though the earth be moved and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Here at the end of verse 3, we see this word, Selah. We see it three times in this passage. Uh, they tell me uh, that it's a musical term. I have no real reason to know it uh, other than uh, looking and, and studying it for, uh, for the Psalms because when I don't read music, so I don't need to know those things. I don't need to know what a rest is or a pause. Will takes care of that for us, and he helps to tutor everybody and keep everybody in good shape with that. But for me, I just sing when I want to. And so, uh, and, and try to sing just low enough that none of you are distracted by that. Uh, but here, when you see it in the Psalms, it is a call for us to take a step back, for us to be reminded, for us to take a moment and ponder what we've just read as we might say, to allow it to sink in just a bit. So what we've heard so far, we've heard that even if the ground is shaking under our feet, like we've just experienced an 8.5 magnitude earthquake, or the winds and waves and waters are crashing on us like a Cat 5 hurricane, like we saw the devastation of Dorian in the Bahamas, we do not have to live in fear because God is all-powerful and He is with us. That is a reality for you and I. For those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, that is the reality that we live in. But I want you to see the tension that is created by the psalmist from verse 3 to verse 4. Verse 3 is the waters. We see the picture of roaring and raging waters to the point that even the mountains are made to dance. But in verse 4, we see an image of a cool, calm river that brings calmness. And gladness to the people of God. This is the place where our God resides. And the beauty is he invites us to that place. Verse 5 continues and reaffirms that God is with us. But also that God is for us. God is in her midst. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Oftentimes, it was at this time, in the early morning, when they would prepare their attack. To attack when the enemy was least prepared, still waking up, still from their slumber, sleep in their eyes. That would be just the moment that they would attack at the break of dawn. But earlier, in verse 1, we were told that by the psalmist, that God is very present. Just when you and I need Him, God is never early. 
God is never late. He arrives just in time. Throughout Scripture, we see this reality played out over and over. A couple of examples that you would be very, very familiar with, but I want to remind you of. In the New, in the New Testament, we have an encounter with two of Jesus' very best friends, Mary and Martha, and they are in a tough spot. They're heartbroken. Their brother, Lazarus, who is also a dear friend of Jesus, is sick. And they know that if Jesus comes, that Jesus can heal Lazarus. They've seen him do it for so many others. And they send word to Jesus and say, please come, Lazarus is sick. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus delayed. He intentionally did not come. Jesus could have come right then. But he chose not to come right then. And instead, he waited to come a couple days later. And by the time that he arrives, Lazarus is dead and has been dead for several days. Mary and Martha meet him and they are overcome with sorrow. And they said, but Jesus, if only you had been here. Our brother, your friend, would not have died. And Jesus says, just wait. Take me to the tomb. And he goes to the tomb. And he says these words, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. One that had been dead for days. My friends, our God is never late. He is right on time for what is best for his children. The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were faithful to the Lord. They stood in obedience before the wicked king. They would not bow but they face the consequences of that. The consequences being the fiery furnace. God did not show up before they were in the furnace. God showed up for them while they were walking in the middle of the fire. They threw three in and there were four walking about. It was not before they went in. It was while they were in the middle of the greatest trial of their life that God showed up. But they were not harmed. They were not burned. Even their clothes did not smell of smoke. Next, the psalmist moves from natural events. These great catastrophes and disasters. He moves to international conflicts. This was something that the nation of Israel was very much aware of and very familiar with because they ended up being attacked quite frequently. They were not the most liked people. They were uh, separated and they were called out to be a separate people and they ended up uh, 
being the, uh, the source of uh, many armies' uh, attempts to conquer them, and sometimes they were conquered, and sometimes they, God actually used those enemy armies and wicked kings to bring about His judgment in the life of Israel. But here in verse 6 we see uh, the psalmist say, The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, He uttered His voice, the earth melted. Now, we don't know the exact event here that the psalmist is talking about. But the readers of this would have known and they would have known of it, the events that were surrounding this time that brought that about. But we do know of during this same time period of an event that was in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. The army of the Assyrian king Sennacherib had come to besiege the city of Jerusalem. Now, you may not know much about the Assyrian people, but if you know anything about Old Testament history, you know that King Sennacherib and the Assyrian army, they were some really bad dudes. They did things that were unspeakable to their enemies, and they, there was nothing about them that they fought fair. There was nothing about them that was merciful to their enemies. They brought great devastation on many lands. So word came to King Hezekiah that they were at the city walls, that they had been besieged. And King Hezekiah went to the temple and there was Isaiah and he sought the Lord's direction. And it was at that time that Isaiah said, the Lord will deliver you and our city. King Sennacherib was standing outside calling on the nation to submit and to surrender. He said these words, none of the gods of the nations had been able to stand against our mighty army. You know, that kind of reminds me of those words that were spoken when the Titanic was being built and was being launched on its maiden voyage. And the statement was made, not even God Himself can sink this ship. Well, God is faithful to His Word, and He was faithful to His Word to Isaiah and to King Hezekiah. And it was at that point, that night, when the angel of the Lord came and slayed 185,000 soldiers that the next morning that King Sennacherib woke up expecting to have a day of victory and celebrating the demise of another city, but instead he witnessed his army being decimated and he headed back to Nineveh defeated by the Lord to never return. This part of, of this psalm is followed by an all-important refrain. We see it repeated twice. We see it here and then the last verse. The Lord of hosts, the Almighty God, is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our refuge. I thought it was very appropriate that we would have a psalm this morning that we'd be looking at that talked about the God of Jacob being our refuge. Frankly, it was something that as when I read this, it caught my attention immediately because we've spent the better part of nine months journeying with Jacob and his family. And I thought, why did the psalmist, he had all these folks and all these patriarchs to choose from, why did he choose Jacob to refer to that it was the God of Jacob is our refuge. But even though we know Jacob and we have encountered him and he was a schemer and he was a deceiver, we also know this, that he also encountered God. In Genesis 32, Jacob had an encounter with the Almighty God. He wrestled with Him, we're told in Scripture. And it was during that time that he experienced not only the presence of God, but he also experienced the power of God. So who better to refer to than the one who had personally encountered his God? as powerful and present. Now looking on to verse 8, we're encouraged to come behold the works of the Lord. Who has made desolation in the earth? He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Here we see that God shows up. And when God shows up, the fighting's over. Just as we saw with Sennacherib's army, and he laid waste to 185,000 soldiers in one night. As one preacher said, God breaks the bow that we cannot be hit from a distance. Then he cuts the spear so that we cannot be harmed up close. And then he burns the chariots so that we cannot be pursued. Yes, God is our mighty fortress. I want us, before we move to our final point, I want us to look at the very first part of that passage, of that verse 8. As it says, come behold the works of the Lord. There is an important exercise that you and I need to learn. It's so valuable in our life as we encounter difficulties and challenges and struggles. And we will encounter those. Some of you have encountered them this week. Some of you have encountered them this past month. Some of you have encountered them this year, but I can promise you, we've all encountered difficulties and troubles. And if you're sitting here saying, I really don't know what you're talking about, Pastor, just wait. I can promise you that you will encounter difficulties and troubles. But there's an important exercise that we need to do. And it is that we need to remember what God has done. We need to remember how He has shown up on our behalf. How He has shown up and He has been our refuge and our strength. 
Will let us last week, and, and, and y'all have heard me say this, in, in one of our favorite songs that we sing here, and, and the title of it is, We Will Remember. One of the verses there says, we, When we walk through life's darkest valleys, we will, look, uh, we will look back at all you have done. We will shout, Our God is good. And he is the faithful one. The verse, uh, the chorus continues. We will remember the works of your hands. We will stop and give you praise. For great is thy faithfulness. There is great value for you and I to take time to set aside, to look back over our lives and to remember and see how the Lord Almighty has worked on our behalf. To call to remembrance how God has worked and all the great things that He has done. This leads us to our final point, and we'll be finished. The refuge of God's plan. The refuge of God's plan for you and me is this it's probably the most common part of this and most well known part of this passage is. Be still and know that God is God. We're going to look at the first part of that command. How do we be still? And then also, why should we be still? First of all, we must be honest that in our world, of constant noise, distractions, endless entertainment, it is a monumental challenge to be still in anything. But it is as if God is saying, wait, don't worry, hold on just a minute, don't panic, Stop striving. Stop struggling. It, it's, it reminds me, and it's almost as if when we had smaller children and you were trying to communicate a very important lesson to them, but their attention span or the amount of sugar they had had, whatever the case might be at that moment, was not allowing that communication to take place and you would have to get down on their level and at times physically take your hands and put it on their precious little faces and hold them there where you could get nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball and you could have communication and you could say, I need you to listen to what daddy is telling you. Be still. Why is that so important for you and I to be still? Because in this life, we will have insane amounts of trouble that come our way. We will see calamities that we could never imagine 
we will see catastrophes and distress. But because we know that God is God, that He is the transcendent God over this universe and every other universe, and He is the sovereign God over each and every trouble that we will face, and He will be exalted among the nations. Even those that reject Him or deny His existence, He will be exalted in the earth because He is the God of all creation. The One who spoke and all things were created. And who will ultimately be worshipped by all? Philippians 2 tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. We should be still and take refuge in God's plan because God is an almighty God. But also... We need to be reminded that we take refuge in God's plan because He is trustworthy. This past Wednesday night, I had the opportunity to be over in the fellowship in the uh, our uh, uh, little annex. That's the really nice word we have for our modular unit that uh, we have for our TNT group. And they had somewhere around, it was one of the largest groups I've seen in there. There was, looked like there was about 50 kids in there and about 15 or so uh, workers corralling. But that, that evening we talked about that God is faithful. And their verse for that night was Deuteronomy 7.9. Deuteronomy 7.9 says this, Therefore know that God is, uh, that Know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercies for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. My friends, God is trustworthy and He proves that over and over. Now there's not much suspense in what our sermon in a sentence is and it will be one of the most simple sermon in a sentence is that you have. But I will propose to you that there is no truer statement that we will ever state than this simple fact that God plus nothing. Now, now that's a South Hall term, nothing. But it is nothing. God plus nothing, God minus nothing is always going to equal enough for whatever you face and whatever road that you are called to walk down and walk through, because God and God alone is our mighty fortress and our refuge, He freely offers us His power, His presence, and His plan. John Wesley, on his dying bed, could barely muster a whisper. But right before his dying breath, clearly called out the best of all is God with us and then raised his hands and waved in triumph. He exclaimed it again with full effect. The best of all is God with us. This morning is the Lord God Almighty, the God of all power with you. Is the God of Jacob your refuge and your strength? Just as we, he was for Luther and for Wesley. Make certain that He is with you 
today. That you know Him personally. That you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The storms of life will come. I can attest to that and I will promise you that every member of our staff, they can tell you and they can get testimony of when the storms of life have blown through our lives. But we can be confident that God is with us and He is faithful and trustworthy. But the greatest storm that any one of us will face, the greatest storm is on the day of judgment. And the account that we will give before a holy and righteous God and the only account that will satisfy is that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. I pray that if you do not know Him, that this morning you would hear Him calling you. Make Him your refuge while you have this opportunity because we are not guaranteed of the next. Please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, You are most gracious to us. Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. Father, we thank You for the beauty of the psalmist's words that record and account for us that You are a mighty fortress that You are our refuge and our strength, that You are present, You are with us. Father, I pray that that would be comfort to many souls this week as we encounter the unknown. But Father, that we would rest in the truth that You are trustworthy, that Father, You are for us, not against us, that You have a plan for us, and it's a plan that's good and is for our best. Father, I pray we would honor you. I pray that we would obey you. In Christ's name, amen.